0: Well, US CPI is lower as expected, but is it all good news? We'll look at how quickly inflation will fall from here. Certainly Fed speakers are suggesting that they still have a way to go and labour market tightness remains a concern. Uh, We'll look at the numbers and the market response today, plus inflation in China and Australia's trade balance. And as inflation eases, the next big question, what about growth? It's Friday, the 13th of January, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, US equities rose quite a bit this morning, but they have lost some of that bravado, then got a bit of it back. So we've got a 0.6% rise in the Dow. The S&P 500 is up 0.3%. The Nasdaq up 0.6%. It's fifth session of gains. But it took a while to get there. Equity markets did hold back a little after the release of those CPI numbers, and it's been fairly choppy since. But in Europe, the direction has been firmly up. The DAX closed three quarters of 1% up. The FTSE 100 up 0.9%. Bonds have had a much clearer direction as well than U.S equities. They are rising, pushing yields down again. 10-year treasuries are down 11 basis points, down to 3.43%. That's more than 45 basis points lower than it was just after Christmas. Two years still higher than uh, 10 years at 4.12%, down 9 basis points this morning. Aussie 10-year yields fell 12 basis points yesterday, down to 3.59%, and a further 5 basis points lower on futures overnight, and a big fall in the US dollar. It's down 0.9% on the DXY index. Pretty much the lowest since June. That's been great for the Aussie dollar, which is up 0.9%, almost 69.7 US cents. The euro is also up 0.9%. The yen has risen 2.5%. Even the pound has managed to 0.6% rise. And oil well up this morning, although it has eased a little as the session has gone on. But we've got a 1.1% rise in WTI. Brent was 2% up at one stage and pushing over $84. Now it's below that at 1.4% up. And gold has been racing up a bit lately as well, up 1.2% this morning. Morning, at 1900 from below 1800 just before Christmas. So looking at bonds and equities, if an expected fall in uh, the US CPI number was priced in, well, clearly it wasn't fully priced in. Nabs Tapper Strickland joins me from Sydney uh, for the for the number we we're expecting there's been quite a response. I'm guessing there's more to it than just that headline number, tapping. Good
1: morning, Phil. Yes, a very encouraging CPI report that came out of the US and while it was broadly in line with expectations with the headline down 0.1% and uh, the core rate ticking up by 0.3%, as you noted, there were some really interesting components there that does suggest um, inflation pressures in the US economy are easing and possibly easing relatively quickly there. And just going kind to of rattle off uh, three quick statistics here um, just to highlight um, how much mm. it is possibly easing here. So when you look at the core CPI excluding food and energy on a three-month annualized basis, so taking the last three months and annualizing that, that rose by 3.14%, and that's the slowest pace, uh, three-month annualized in 15 months. So that, that does suggest uh, core inflation is easing uh, fairly rapidly in the US. And really, when you think about it, if it's annualizing at 3.14%, that's not that far off um, the Fed's uh, 2% target. Um, And then when you look at just the goods component, so goods excluding energy, um, that is actually in deflation. So that fell 4.8% three month annualized. um, And a fair chunk of that is obviously some correction in uh, used car prices. So maybe that doesn't continue in the same pace, but it does suggest all that goods inflation that we did see during the height of the pandemic He's starting to wash out through the system It was
0: transitory tapas. Do you remember when we used to talk about that? Uh, Yeah, you
1: could say it was. And I think we came up with a term called long transitory at one stage, uh, just because the transitory narrative kept getting pushed away. Um, So that does seem to be coming through. And then the other really interesting bit is this component services excluding shelter. And that's what Powell has been looking at most closely to try and see whether inflation pressure's easing in terms of a longer term sense because that's the one most aligned with with wages pressure and interestingly that was 1.2 percent three month annualized Um, so does suggest that inflationary pressures have eased and have eased quite a lot Um, Mm. and uh, that I think is part of the bond market reaction that we have seen so when you look at the two-year yield uh, that's down by about uh, seven basis points uh, and a similar um, thing with the 10-year yield as well And actually when you look at the two year yield now, it's at 4.128%, the 10 year yield is at uh, 3.43%. So um, some pretty low levels in terms of yields relative to where they have been over the past six months. And then when you actually look at Fed Funds pricing, um, Fed Funds uh, are now pricing in a 25 basis point hike in February and now are only describing about a 10% chance of a 50 basis point hike. And that compares to about 25% chance of a 50 basis point hike the day before. So uh, pairing back in Mm. terms of what the Fed could do in February. And the market is now toying with the possibility that the Fed maybe be one and done. So maybe they can pause after February if you get another inflation print like today. Well, that's
0: not what the Fed is saying, though, is it? We've had a few speakers out. We had Patrick Harker from the Philly Fed saying a few more hikes Uh, you know, admitting 75 basis point hikes are are, a part of the past, it's 25 basis points from now on, but a few more still. James Bullard, uh, saying basically you're kidding yourself if you think they're anywhere near finished and Tom Barkin saying well slower rate hikes but possibly a higher terminal rate and uh, partially because and all of these seem to be pointing to the uh, you know to the to the job market and wage pressures you know they expect to be more persistent than perhaps people realize.
1: I've no out that some economists still do worry that still too high inflation growth <clears throat> could keep consumers uh, flush with cash and that would keep companies pretty eager and able to raise prices to to compensate that, and that could perpetuate inflation above the 2% uh, inflation target of of the Fed, and that's definitely what Fed officials are are talking to. Uh, But when you look at the actual data, when you look at the last three months' worth of data, that does suggest those inflationary pressures are easing, and easing relatively rapidly. And um, when you look at some of the labour market indicators, while it's still tight in the labour market, um, some of the high-frequency data does suggest maybe there is some kind of easing up in the labour market, uh, in prospect and so i think that will keep the market um, continuing to price in a quite a high likelihood that the uh, fed does cut rates in the second half of this year and when you look at market pricing for that um there's about 52 basis points worth of cuts priced in the second half of this year, and that's um, up from around forty-nine basis points worth of cuts uh, priced
0: in the day prior So th- there is this mismatch, then, isn't there? Because the Fed is still talking about five, maybe five and a half percent. We had the Michigan consumer sentiment was sort of like uh, peaking at four point four percent last time. We get the uh, the, the latest uh, figure on that uh, tomorrow morning. So what w- what is the expectation? Where, where, where's the market thinking it's going to peak before it starts to fall again?
1: Uh, in terms of the University of Michigan uh, consumer sentiment, um, so I think uh, the 10-year inflation uh, expectation, the expectations around that is for it to be about 2.9%, so similar to last month there. But uh, in their one-year that- one
0: expectation, I think, it was 4.4% last time, wasn't it?
1: Oh, yes, yes, that's right. Um, but in many respects, it's it's really about what's occurring with the CPI data on a monthly basis now. And we've had three relatively uh, good prints here. So uh, really, how long do you have to go until that becomes a trend? Um, mm. And that's the key question that markets are, are toying with now. Is four months enough? Is five months enough? Yeah, yeah. And really, what the what really what the Fed is worried about is they got head fake uh, in twenty twenty one when you did see some easing of the inflation pressures, but then it did pick back up quite aggressively uh, in the second half of twenty twenty one. So that's the reason why they're maintaining that relatively hard rhetoric. But if you still get continually soft inflation prints, uh, then the Fed will be changing its tune, and that's what markets are, are, are pricing.
0: Right, and I guess the other question is, you know, if inflation is slowly coming down, if the Fed is still doing its thing, you know, how quickly does growth pick up? That's the next thing to watch.
1: Definitely, and this is where you're starting to get more talk about the possibility of a soft landing in in the US. So when you yeah. look at uh, jobless claims, which are also out last night, they were extremely low, two hundred and five thousand against two hundred fifteen thousand expected. It's really yeah. difficult. Um, it's really difficult to uh, seasonally adjust uh, jobless claims at this time of year. But what we do know is um, the job layoffs are starting to lift. You, you hear all the anecdotes, and you and Dave were talking about it yesterday. Um, but Overwhelmingly, there still remains 1.7 job vacancies per unemployed person in the U.S. So theoretically, all those people who are being laid off should be able to find uh new It May not be the same pay, of course, maybe a different job, but theoretically should be able to find work there. So the labour market still remains relatively tight there. And if inflation is easing at the same time, then uh, the probability of a soft landing is a little, a little bit higher.
0: Right. Now, uh, China's inflation numbers, uh, month on month for December flat, PPI year on year down 0.7%, the headline rate 1.8%, uh, so it's clearly not a concern for the uh, PBOC. But that falling PPI, that could be fairly good, couldn't it? I mean, if that could have some sort of deflationary effect, couldn't it, on the rest of the world if that gets passed through? Uh, definitely. So that PPI
1: came in at minus 0.7% against 0.1% uh, expected. Uh, and a lot of that, you have to say, is due to all the problems that the zero COVID policy had in the early part of December and then China obviously since then pivoting uh, towards living with with COVID. Uh, That's likely to wash through the Chinese economy within the next couple of months and uh, the Chinese government is looking to support the economy, uh, particularly the property sector. So it could be that you get a a reversal in the kind of deflation that we have seen in the PPI today, so I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, it, may do, it may suggest that you may get a bit of disinflationary pressure coming out of China as supply resumes, particularly on the goods side. But at the same time, just like there was in the rest of the world, there's going to be a lot of pent up demand for goods and services within China itself, and that could prove to be inflationary. So I think we just have to be a little bit cautious exactly, um, exactly whether the Chinese recover in the near term is uh, disinflationary, or whether it's in, or whether it's inflationary for the rest of the world. What we can see from global commodities is that they're pricing in a fairly sharp Chinese recovery, and you just have to look at the copper price currently
0: above $9,000. Yeah, which is great news for Australia. And of course, that weaker uh, US dollar is uh, pushing the Australian dollar closer towards 70 US cents. Uh, so is it going to stick there? Uh, that's that's one question. And then also, what about uh, the trade surplus that we saw? It increase yesterday, the numbers for October widening to $13.2 billion. Some of that is because we've seen a fall in imports, in part because we've seen a 2.1% fall in consumption goods. So... Is that good news or bad news? I guess it, it, you could argue that would keep inflation under control. We also saw freight costs falling as well, which is also helping drive inflation lower. So are these all signs that you know that Australia too you know, is looking for a soft landing in all of this?
1: Uh, with the Australian dollar, no doubt, mostly due to US dollar weakness. When you look at the US dollar DXY, it's down 0.7% post the CPI numbers and down 0.9% over the past 24 hours. The Aussie is up around 1.1%. Um, And then in terms of the trade balance, um, encouraging signs there in terms of the inflation front. So uh, that freight services imports, uh, that fell um, quite sharply. I think it was down about um, 16%. And interestingly, the freight services um, share of goods imports into Australia is now 5.4% of the value of imported goods. That's down from a peak of 6.7% in 2022. Mm. And prior to the pandemic, it averaged 3.1%. So it does suggest that the... Um, global freight indicators that we've been mentioning on this podcast for quite some time. There's some signs that inflation may ease uh, in the future. That's starting to be felt by Australian importers at, at the moment. So that should be helpful for the inflation outlook for Australia. But overwhelmingly, similar to the US, um, we're looking quite closely at wages and also the services side of inflation uh, to see well, whether the RBA can pause up after March, which, which is our call.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we're going the other way though, aren't we, than, than the US because the job ads uh, in Australia, 2.6% fall in those uh, those seek jobs. Bad. So that's that's going to help to restrain any growth in wages, presumably.
1: It does. And similar to the conversation we are having with Dave when you're talking about the job vacancy series, uh, we think what's driving it really is that normalisation of labour supply. So over the year to uh, November last year, 417,000 new people were added to Australia's population aged over 15 years, compared to 104,000 in the prior year, and uh, it averaged around 333 years. Uh, of the pandemic so um that supply of labor is lifting that's helping to alleviate a lot of the labor market pressures there um the uncertainty still remains though is to what extent has high inflation embedded higher wage expectations and the wpi which is out on the 22nd of february is going to be very important uh, to assess. right well
0: today uh, australia's lending finance the trade balance for China, uh, we get UK GDP as well later today. That's expected to fall. Industrial production expected to be down. Big drops in manufacturing production. I don't think there's going to be any good news coming from the UK today, is there? Uh, whereas uh, we also get uh, data from Europe as well, including their trade balance. Uh, then we get Germany's full year GDP, uh, GDP as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, quite a bit going on today.
1: Oh, definitely. And the other one to add in and it's going to be quite important for it equities, and as you're noting, equity markets were a bit mixed after the CPI today, yeah, it's, they are. it's going to be bank earnings. So uh, today we get uh, yes. Bank of America, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Citi all reporting before the market opens. And the focus there is going to be both on the headline earnings and also the anecdotes on the economy, just to gauge that resiliency of households and firms to higher rates, and to what extent corporate earnings are taking a hit from higher rates. Uh, what we do know from the equity market is uh, multiples have, have compressed back towards more reasonable levels. Um, But the earnings um, outlooks probably haven't compressed enough if we are thinking of some type of mild recession occurring in the US economy either this year or early next year. So um, we'll be looking quite closely uh, to that. And that's going to be the big risk for equity markets um, over over the next couple of weeks is what it exactly does
0: for earnings. Yeah, we definitely go full full throttle on earnings, don't we, next week. uh, Some big names to look out for next week. Good to talk tapas. When you get around to it, have a great weekend. Good to have you back on. Cheers. Thanks everyone. I'm going to give him 2 out of 10 for audio quality there. We'll get it sorted out before we get Tapas back on. That's it for this week. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you on Monday morning. Thanks for listening.